Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series, where we interview pastors from across the Living Faith Fellowship, and specifically from Living Faith Bible Institute. And each week we come together and we talk about all kinds of different things. We talk about theology and missions and ministry development and leadership. And uh, the goal is primarily just to strengthen you and edify you. And we want to bring content each and every week that is beneficial. And so with that, I want to make a request that if you've been listening for any period of time and you've been enjoying the shows, whether it's the PS Plus or the Postscript, we want to invite you to share this content with your friends and your family, post it on your Facebook page, write us a review. Uh, but we want to engage you at, at every level if possible. And so we're inviting you to do that. Now, this week, uh, I have the privilege of interviewing my pastor, Pastor Sam Miles, and he is also the professor of pastoral procedures, which is a class, a 16-week class in the Living Faith Bible Institute that deals with the ins and outs of being a pastor day to day, the very pragmatic and minute details that go into just living the pastoral lifestyle but also the bigger and broader things, the visionary things. What does it look like to lead a congregation? And so with that in mind, I'm going to interview Pastor Sam today about content from that class. And so we're going to be having a conversation really about what it means to lead people today. And uh, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about different aspects of pastoral ministry. But this week, we want to have a conversation specifically about vision and leading, which is a very difficult thing to do. And so with that, Pastor Sam... Thanks for being with us, hanging out with us this week. Yeah. On the show. Thanks for letting me hang with you. We're going to talk primarily about vision today and and, mm-hmm. and leadership. What does it look like uh, to lead people as a pastor? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that in mind, what do you think the primary responsibilities of a pastor are? What are, what are they? Um, what are the things that take the priority if you're going to yeah. describe what a pastor does? Yeah. Which I think I, I get that question from time to time. Like, so what do you do? Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's different for every pastor. Yeah. I'm sure there's lazy pastors. I'm sure there's busy pastors, yeah. but what yeah, do you, what does a pastor do? Yeah. yeah. So probably in some churches, it really does look like, uh, you get a message from somewhere, uh, you show up for church on Sunday, you, you greet some people, mm-hmm. um, comment on the looks of some babies. Yeah. deliver a message right. and then you kind of get the rest of the week to yourself uh i don't know where that is um, no. but that's certainly the impression that people can get um you know i think and and hopefully this will come out in the class a pastor has you know what what goes into a, the pastor what's the responsibility of the pastor what what does he have to do uh, he has to do whatever it takes. Whatever mm-hmm. the mission requires, the pastor is going to have to do that. And really, the pastor has to fulfill the calling of God over his life. That's what he has to do. If he, if a man's called to the pastorate, that is, that's a heavy lift. That's mm-hmm. a huge ask because mm-hmm. just like every other believer, we're called to lay down our lives. We're, to, we're called to take up our cross and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. But then on top of that, you know, the apostle James warns us, I think it's James three, you know, be not many masters. Why, you know, I explain it this way. Whenever I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be a super long day for me. I'm not just going to give an answer for myself. I'm going to be standing with every member. Were they fruitful? If not, uh, why not? Right. What part did right. you have in their yeah. lack of fruitfulness? Yeah. So yeah. the pastor has to 
the pastor has to make sure that what he's doing in ministry is falling out to the winning of souls, mm -hmm. to the training of disciples who don't just know the word, but they're so trained that they know how to use it so that every member can function as a minister. Mm -hmm. Your pastorate should fall out to the members of the church being fruitful and, and it should fall out to ministry multiplying, both in the local church setting and the local church context, but also around the world. If the ministry's not multiplying, well, what are we doing, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I'll talk about it in terms of, we don't wanna fall in the trap of going through the motions, playing church, right. like little yeah. kids play house, you know? And I think we've mentioned that before. Uh, we, need the, we need the power of God manifest and, in the and, lives of God's people. And so I suppose, yeah. though, that, you know, the training and the equipping happen, happens at the at the pulpit level. And so you begin there. I mean, I think as a pastor, you have to hold that mm -hmm. responsibility in very high regard, which is which is why, you know, in Acts they needed deacons, right? Mm -hmm. Is so that the the apostles, the the pastors could yeah. devote their time and their energy to studying God's word. What does it say? Praying and charging the people. And so I guess that leads me to ask. How much time is devoted to preparing for what you say, what you preach, what you teach in the pulpit from week to week? As much as it takes. Yeah. So I just go back to what we said before. You do whatever the mission requires. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the responsibility of the pastor. The message has to communicate what the word of God. So we obviously follow, this is common in the Living Faith Fellowship, um, I'm an expository preacher. We go through books of the Bible at a time. We cover a book at a time. Um, and there's liberty, there's latitude in terms of how to approach that. Mm -hmm. um, do we cover it one verse at a time? Do we cover it a chapter at a time? But to communicate what the scriptures say and to trust the Lord that we're communicating it in such a way that every member has the opportunity to make application to their own life. Mm -hmm. That takes as much time as it takes. Right. And so yeah. much of that is devoted to prayer and study. And it isn't, yeah. it's hard to quantify. I mean, because yeah. sometimes the, the studying comes easy yeah. and sometimes it comes really hard. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you're up all night. Oh my gosh. Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> I was studying, I'm yeah. studying Job. Uh huh. And I've been studying for three weeks solid, four almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, just, it was coming hard. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and outlined my entire message for the Sunday in 15 minutes. It just mm -hmm. came to me as like it clicked. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, now everything is beginning to make sense at 3.30 in the morning and it took 15 minutes just scrolling it down on my phone. Yeah. But you never know how it's gonna go from, yeah. from week yeah. to week like that. Yeah, you know, some weeks you're, you're studying all week and you don't have peace. So my approach in the preaching, I want every member to be able to say, I see what Miles is doing, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's very critical that people understand what the Bible says and what that means and how that applies. And so it's very, it's it's very crucial that the preaching, the outline just basically reveals what the Bible says yeah. and how to live our lives in light of that. Now, you know, with that the delivery style, delivery method, examples, illustration, um, the the anecdotes that you're gonna give mm -hmm. to out, that can take a lot of time as well. An open Bible, 
that's the key to ministry. If you mm -hmm. can get people to get their eyes on the book, the book will, the book will talk to them. Mm -hmm. The Word of God, right, through the Spirit of God, God will speak to people, and it's powerful to change their life. So as a preacher, I got to be full of faith that if I can get the book open and I can get people to see it, and to see it for what it says, and, and in faith know that the Word is going to do the work, well, man, I'm I'm 90% of the way there mm -hmm. already. Right. The rest is just working out the details. And so I'm learning in my older age to put less confidence in my ability in the outline and more confidence in the fact that the book itself is awesome. So eight to 16 hours is typical for me. Um, if I, you know, there have been some messages that I already know, like you're studied the outline just comes together right everything you it know clicks. exactly what yeah. you're supposed to do and and i've been prepped for sunday in as little as a couple hours before mm -hmm. not typical mm -hmm. it's not yeah, that's typical. real but so with but all of that with all that study and with all that preaching from week to week so when it as it concerns the great commission how do you from week to week sprinkle in that content to provoke people to ministry because so many churches they preach every single week and people walk away feeling good. Maybe they have a better sense of, of how to deal with some sort of aspect of their life. They're psychologically more healthy, uh, having walked away from some message. You know. um, but at the end of the day, we're trying to produce disciples. And so how do you ensure from message after message after message that you're sprinkling the Great Commission throughout that? Because we're trying to develop ministers. Yeah, so how do I keep it from being... Every message being you're you're smart, you're good looking, and God's right. drawn it. God loves you. And, yeah, you're so you know, unique. Yeah, you're so neat. Yeah, I don't know how you don't see the mission everywhere. Yeah, God's heart is for the nations. Uh, it is it's patently obvious in Scripture that God wants every member of the church to take up their cross and follow Christ. I see mission in every mm -hmm. in every passage, and so. You know, how do we keep the focus on that? I don't personally know how to get the focus off of that okay, yeah. because it's everywhere in scripture. Sure. So if you're, yeah. if you have an expository approach to scripture, I think you'd have to work very hard to make it, to make it self-centric, the mm -hmm. member, the center. No, I think Christ in his glory over the nations for eternity. That, that, that's, that's the main thrust. Right. Yeah. On every page. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's. So now we've we've had people that have been offended that it's so mission minded, you know, mm -hmm. and they'll get that some of the accusations will be your 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 the focus is too much on the works of the believer, and I don't view it that way at all. It's the love of Christ that constrains. Right. It's the relationship with Christ that motivates the believer. Mm -hmm. If you've got a right loving relationship with the Lord according to His Word not a way that's right or makes sense in your own eyes or your own mind, well, then you're going to be, you'll have Christ's heart. You'll mm -hmm. be mission-minded. And and so I don't know, you know, it's like saying, um, you know, in terms of a marriage relationship, uh, you're too focused on being faithful in the relationship. You should just be focused in the, in the love relationship. Well, right. the love relationship is going to provoke faithfulness. Sure. Uh, yeah, I love absolute. my wife. So I wash the dishes, I clean yeah. the house, I help yeah. her, yeah. you know, I say kind words. Yeah, you're it just you're gonna want to live for everything. her. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when you're preaching, you know, what you're saying is the the way that we approach the word of God 
our hermeneutic, our exposition demands that we're always talking about the mission. And then the people it's catch every that. Message. The, the people catch that yeah. like a germ, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so then, what causes churches to stagnate then in terms of vision? Like you, you've seen that. We've witnessed churches mm-hmm. who've struggled with retaining vision, and a lot of that yeah. falls to to bad leadership. And so, how would you describe, you know, that? Yeah, so one of the reasons that vision will stagnate or 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 people will lose their their mission focus is when well it can be for a number of reasons, but typically it'll be all talk no action. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the mission, but we're not actually going to do the things that actually support or further the mission. So it can't just be theory, it's it's got to be there's got to be a tactical practical follow-up to it so if we're talking about how we're going to be a mission-minded church and really the extent of the mission is maybe some bucks and and a few hours for the homeless in our metro Mm -hmm. at some point it's not going to add up for people and they're going to realize oh we're a country club for christians and and then you know laying down your life for the furtherance of the gospel both home and abroad that that just slowly fades away and we end up sliding into a country club christianity mentality so that'll be that'll be part of it is being professors but not practitioners Mm -hmm. the other reason i think churches lose their vision is when they um, can't get fixed on what the vision actually is so personally i'm a big believer that I don't set the vision, the scripture sets the vision. Mm-hmm. And so when we have a vision Sunday, uh, we basically announce every time now, uh, good news, there's been no, there's been zero change to the vision. Let's just get an update on mm-hmm. where we're at and the fulfillment of that vision. And so that's doing two things. It's reinforcing what the vision is. So you have to keep, you know, nobody gets the vision in one message mm-hmm. nobody's going to get what mbt is trusting the lord to accomplish in one sermon it's not going right. to happen but over the process of two to four years attending here it's going to click for people what the mission is what the vision is mm-hmm. and how we are single-minded we're steadfast in our pursuit of that mission that vision you know the vision never i mean in my in my opinion biblically scripturally the vision never changes right um, the manifestation how of we that. accomplish it. Yeah. We gotta always be adapting because mm-hmm. if we're not keeping, if we're not keeping the trajectory, if we're not keep if if we don't continue to adjust our focus to keep our aim on that vision, well then you know, drift happens, people get distracted, and pretty soon you're off mission. Um you know, devolves right. into just holding services. And, so what so I'm you have hearing, to keep repeating. What I'm hearing you say is that the objectives, the structure has to be in place to support the things you're saying from the pulpit. So if you're going to be preaching the Great Commission and you're going to be saying, hey, we want to mobilize, we want a church plant, we want to yeah. send missionaries all over the world, there has to be a way for people to execute that practically day in, day out. There has to be the training. There has to be, uh, you know, missions outposts. There have to be... Yeah. ways in which they can they can do the tactical piece and yeah. when churches don't have that they stump people people stumble yeah yeah so you could have like a missionary sunday or a missionary week and then maybe giving goes up to support some mm-hmm. some missionary activity but if people don't actually have a way to plug themselves into furthering 
the work around the world, well, then it becomes something that other people do, mm-hmm. that other people, re- we farm it out yeah. to other professionals or practitioners. Right. And we'll enjoy our country club Christianity here. So it's like, sh- it's like all shepherding. Um, if I know that there's a hill that we need to take, I can't drive the sheep in one message and get the vision to take. Mm-hmm. Can't can't be done. Right. It, it's tending. So we just keep, and, and there'll, there'll always be drift, but we don't panic anytime there's a little bit of drift. We just keep tending toward the objective. No church, especially in a church plant, you're not going to start out with a fully developed um, mission strategy, missions um, um, structure. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. That'll be built out over time. But from the beginning at MBT, we were setting that vision. Even whenever, but before we were pursuing being a church plant, uh, we were KCBT Midtown. We were just looking to make disciples in Midtown. And from that time, I was saying to the people that the small group that was attending is, hey, let's trust the Lord to be to be a group of people that will rock the nations from the urban core. Can mm-hmm. we trust God? And then once we were sent out and, and planted as a local church, can we be a little church in the hood that God will use to rock the nations for his glory? With all my heart, I believe that. I'm full of faith uh, to pursue that. I, 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 I It's too late. I've read my Bible. Mm-hmm. I know what God wants to do. We're his people. I know right. what he wants to do in and through us. And so, you know, when there was just one pastor, no missions department, uh, very little going on in the way of missions. We were just struggling to exist as a local church. Yeah. So help us, God, by his grace. We're going to rock the nations for his glory from the hood. Mm. Yeah. So when we're talking about all that, what kind of components, what elements need to exist structurally for a church to continue to move people forward to take those steps? I mean, um, some churches have missions departments and, and um, you know, there's discipleship and there's, there's all these different things. What is absolutely necessary uh, to support that work of tending people towards the Great Commission and the vision of the church? Yeah. So this goes back to the beginning of this discussion. You need to know what you're doing with the pulpit. Mm-hmm. So you've got the hill that you're going to take. Yep. And so that's, it's going to come up in the preaching. So evangelism, discipleship, leadership, equipping and training, sending, reproduction. These are themes that should come up consistently Mm -hmm. in the pulpit. Um, Discipleship should be a regular part of the altar call. You know, taking a step in your spiritual growth ought to be a regular, you know, a a, a regular call uh, for people to respond to. Mm -hmm. You know, am I growing in the word? Am I growing in my capacity to use it in the lives of people? Am I growing in my ability to support the multiplying of ministry both here at home and abroad? Yeah. You know, am I helping to train disciples? Am I am I a part of sending so that ministry can reproduce around the world? So the pulpit, yeah, invitations that's a big deal. at every level, every at stage every of level. growth, you're yeah. calling people to more. The yeah. announcements, mm-hmm. you know, just the announcements on Sunday ought to be a call. It ought to be an invitation for people to grow and to get involved. Uh, we we need to be preaching the mm-hmm. announcements. You know, yeah. those are little one minute, three minute messages, but mm-hmm. but so critical. And then, you know, if if the ministry is going to grow to the point where it's got a deep bench 
and there's a, a multiplicity of leadership and the capacity to to make some big reaches and and to do some bigger things. Mm -hmm. uh, that's gonna that's gonna take a purpose commitment on the part of the pastor. You know, when MBT first started, we had one pastor, and it was me, and I ran a vacuum a lot mm -hmm. because whatever the mission takes. But I'm I know this isn't how it's always going to be because as we train people and as people become consecrated in the work, you know, they get consecrated in the word, in the work, they're consecrated to Christ, they're going to take on more responsibility. And so the pastor has to give that up. You have to give that over. The people have to be able to take on the work of the ministry. So, you know, in terms of tending in the pastorate, uh, in terms of taking the hill, the hill, um, you know, we always have to be driving evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what makes the church effective in winning souls? Uh, for us, that was, you know, I was hearing just countless stories of conversions and seeing few disciples with right. us. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what led us in that, well, I was just desperate before the Lord. You know, how can our evangelism ministry look like our fourth and fifth grade Sunday school class? Mm -hmm, yeah. And it was a Bible study. Yeah. And uh, uh, long story short, what how the Lord led us was, was we want to use Bible study for evangelism uh, using a discovery Bible method and, you know, creation to Christ. And I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, in the previous episode, we talked about and, that quite a bit. And we have to be, we have to be promoting that all the time because if we're not winning souls well then we're not we're not making disciples mm -hmm. and and so the same thing with discipleship we have to be we have to be constantly preaching and promoting and 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 training in the making of disciples like we just had we just came off of a a weekend where we had a refresher for our disciples mm -hmm. um you know, these are these are things that these first couple steps are are places where the pastor's modeling ministry. Um, but at the same time, you're beginning to train people to work to do the work of the ministry with you. And then as they come up in leadership, you have to give the leadership yeah, to hand, them. Hand it over. Yeah, you have yeah. to hand it over. And so, you know, if 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 leaders are going to be trained and never used, and this is a point of frustration in a lot of churches, is people are learning the Bible, but the pastor doesn't trust them to get it open with people. And mm -hmm. so, so on every level, how do we multiply leadership? How do we multiply ministry? So we've got pastors that we're training, and they're coming online. We've got missionaries, future missionaries that we're training, and they're coming online. Well, how did that happen? Well, they were sunday fellowship leaders they were bible study leaders they were disciplers mm -hmm. uh, they were ministry leaders and so the more we can promote the tasking of people that are growing in the word to do the work of the of the lord right um now the potential for ministry to multiply is exponential mm -hmm. so you have to have that and then you have to actually get full of faith and send yeah you know you gotta you gotta let the kids grow up and you gotta let them go you know and so those elements have to be in place. So here we are, we're 13 years old. We went from one pastor to... Six or seven. How many did we have at the retreat? Were there 10? Oh, Mike couldn't come. There were 11 of us. Yeah, so we're Mike. counting the church plants. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're counting the church plants. Okay. Praise well, the Lord. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause, you said, how many pastors <laughs> do we have now? I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. there's two different ways of looking at that. Yeah. Well, and those are autonomous local churches, but 
we sent him out. Yeah. You know, um, Mark Schaefer to Tampa, Dan Renault across town to Lee Summit. Mike Renault is with a small team now in Boston. They already went in souls. They've mm -hmm. already got disciples. Yeah. Uh, they're getting fruit, uh, winning Bostonians to Christ. Uh, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. We've got growing disciples in Vietnam. And and so the, the, the ministry has to multiply. So at some point, you have to get full of faith. Right. You have to send people. Well, that's exciting. That's super encouraging for everybody else. They're a part of something. So help is God by his grace. A little church in the hood is rocking the nations mm -hmm. for the glory of Christ. And from there, Nairobi and Dallas and yeah. Denver and Japan, you know. How important is prayer to, um, to, ca to casting vision? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know me. I think it's everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, our midweek service is our corporate prayer ministry meeting. Um, I'm not super interested in getting behind growing leadership that doesn't get the vision and the value of corporate prayer. So for me, I don't think it's based on how much I pray or how fervently I pray or how effectually I pray. It's important to to pray effectually and, and fervently. Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately the, the prayer has to be in faith that God is going to perform, right? God will make reality the promises of his word over our life. If we come to God doubting, we're not going to get anything from right. the Lord, you know? So, so faith-filled prayers, God, this is what you said you wanted to be true of your people in this place. And so here we are. And we're crying out to you in faith that that you're going to do what you said you would do in and through us. And mm -hmm. and and the proof of that is going to be in our stepping out. Right. Um, start walking into the Red Sea, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so that's been, I, I think, huge for us. Uh, the corporate prayer ministry meeting, well, you know. Yeah. We're running out of space. It's packed. Uh, we, you know, it's our midweek service. Mm -hmm. Um well, because that's the engine that drives everything else. We come together and we pray, and the people that we pray for, we end up leading to Christ. Mm -hmm. The ministries that we pray for get the open doors. The people that we pray for, God heals them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see how God's hearing and answering our prayer. I mean, we pray, and and now ministry is multiplying around the world. Yeah, yeah. Answered who, prayer. Who would want to be a part of that? Yeah. yeah. The answered prayer yeah. seems to beget more faith yeah and yeah. um i think that's that's crucial yeah. for a church you're trying to envision to go yeah. reach the world they've got to see that they've got to they worship a god that answers prayer yeah. there's no straight that they yeah. can be in that, that god can't deliver them from yeah. and there's no hill that they can't take if he's in the, yeah. in the you know leading the charge and that's what's so exciting about the missionary prayer nights you see the engagement and everybody's listening to the reports and and then they dive in in groups and, and lift up those requests, fervently call on the Lord for our missionaries and church planners. And yeah. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And and people begin to, you know, you sit down in one of those groups, and you're like, well, I don't really know what's actually happening in India, and but I'm going to pray for India tonight. And then you hear the report, and you hear the update, and then you start mm -hmm. praying for the people and you learn their names and you start thinking, I'd, I'd love to go visit that person. Yeah. And then you go and you you visit the field yeah. and you see the field and then you yeah. end up going back and again and again and again and you start talking to other people about it. And then pretty soon you're on fire and you're like, I've got to go. I've got to have my own field. I have my own place to go yeah. to. And 
Yeah. And I really, I mean, I think the prayer meeting as much as anything else kind of produces that oh, yeah. fervency. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't know what we had going this year, obviously with COVID, the mission trips have been kind of a bust, yeah, but, yeah. but even with that, we've got people going out. We found ways. By twos here and there. Yeah. And we're sneaking out. <laughs> yeah. The no, saints. we've got a team yeah. right now in Tampa. Yeah. And I just got a text before we did this interview that one of one of our brothers just met one of our missionaries to Tampa uh -huh. for the first time. And he's like, this is my long lost sister. This that's person awesome. is so amazing to me. And, and that's yeah. rich. That's powerful. Yeah. And then last week we had a, a, a small team in Boston mm -hmm. helping there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's happening, but you know, when you're praying and you're calling on the Lord, God uses that, like mm -hmm. you said, to draw people's hearts into the mission. Yeah. They, they got to go, you know? Okay, That's so good. back to the idea of being a pastor. Mm -hmm. In closing, if if you were to address someone, uh, say a young man who is questioning whether or not there's a call in his life towards the pastorate, and he's got the desire, he's got, you know, there's something inside him that says, man, I, I, I could be a pastor. I, I enjoy it. I, I desire it. And he's asking all these questions. If there was a, a count the cost moment based on what we've talked about today in terms of the gravity and the sobriety of leading God's people, what kind of warning or encouragement would you give to the young man who's considering the pastorate? He'd have to know. I mean, if God's calling somebody into the pastorate, there's no getting around it. Um, it, be, it becomes gonna have exceptionally evident at some point. Yeah. There's a make or yeah. break moment. Yeah, But I think there's that, there is a season in which you're like, man, am I... Yeah. Is that what's happening in my life right now? Yeah. If this is not yeah. that, God, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it was like for me. I was going to pastor over my dead body. Yeah. Um, I was determined that I was going to serve the Lord with my life, but I wanted it to really be with my leftovers. Mm -hmm. I was saying I was going to serve him with my life, but I, I kind of wanted to make money with my life and then be able to handsomely tip God and sure. help God and yeah. you know support the work of the ministry and you had your ministry figured out. I had it I had my life figured out. Yeah. yeah. I remember just what God was doing in my heart. It was landing at KCBT and for the first time in my life hearing pastors preach in a way that was basically thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, the, here here are guys who are teaching the Bible. They actually understand the Bible, which blew my mind. Right. And, and and made it plain for me to understand the Bible. And now the word is getting into my heart and my life and it's changing who I am. And I appreciated that, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I still wasn't interested in pastoring. But but as the word began to grow in my heart, in my life, my mind, um, it, it got harder and harder to keep it in the box, to keep mm -hmm. it compartmentalized. Yeah. And so it just, it started coming out of me mm -hmm. and I had a burden to communicate everything that I was learning. So I developed a, a, a big appetite for the word. Um, I had a, a, a big desire to understand it, to know, to make sure I knew how it applied to my life. And then involuntarily the burden to, to make sure I was communicating correctly mm -hmm. in terms of how it applied to the lives of other people. And that grew in, into a burden to preach. And I'm thinking, well, I can preach, but I don't have to pastor, which is great. 
get, you know, if I can get a pulpit somewhere every once in a while, but have none of the responsibility that mm -hmm. kind of fit into my, <laughs> into my plans. And, and, uh, and I remember finally coming to the conclusion that I, I didn't have to pastor, but I had surrendered. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd, I'd quit fighting the Lord on it. So the, con the conditional, the provisional approach to how I was going to serve the Lord, you know, I had my, I had my provisos, I had my conditions. I surrendered all of that and was just broken that, that God would do something with my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to waste it on myself. And, and if that meant working a job and making money and, and, uh, evenings and weekends doing, it, praise the Lord, I, you know, I'd be pleased with that. If that meant the pastorate, well, then I would do that. That was God's problem. I remember being with Alan. We were Alan going Shelby. to get some supplies. Yeah, my pastor. And and uh, he basically asked what was going on in my life. And uh, it was one of those moments where I was, I was making every mistake in the book. It was coming out of me. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to get the words back. <laughs> you know, he wants to know what's going on in my life. And I'm just the next thing I know, I'm bawling, and I'm trying to tell him that if I don't, if I can't preach, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I had no intention of telling him that. Why would, the, why would I put that? I mean, because the implication would be is, is you kind of need to give me a Sunday to let me preach, which I don't, I don't want that. I didn't want to put the, any pressure at all on Alan, and uh, he started crying with me. And uh, the next thing I know, Alan's making sure that I have opportunities to preach. And it was a short, it was a short trip from there to, mm -hmm. we want to start another fellowship. Would you be willing to consider right. starting a new college outreach right. to our local church? I'll be grateful to Alan for eternity that, that he was willing to take a chance on me and mm -hmm. use me in ministry and and give me the opportunity to apply what I was learning, you know? Right. Uh, it was, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a difficult thing for him to, you know, g to get full of faith and trust a punk to do the work of the ministry with him. But, but he did. Yeah. You know, it was good. I said all of that to say this, um, if you're going to do it, you may be burdened. I was greatly burdened, mm -hmm. but I would have I would have been terrified to actually follow through and stand before God's people and say, "Thus saith the Lord," if I hadn't personally counted the cost. And by that I mean, am I going to do the work? Am I willing to lay down my life in order to see God's people benefited, to see God's people edified? So, do I know the book? Am I willing to, to, to take the time, the energy, and the effort? So that would be the first thing. Um, Get trained. Is am I willing yeah. to not just go to Bible school classes? It's not can I get through LFBI? No, can I get LFBI through me? Yeah. Right. right. Do I know the book cover to cover? Yeah. Because God help you. That's how we started our conversation. Be not many masters. Why? Because it's your, right? It's you. Yours is the greater condemnation. You lead God's people astray because you don't know your stuff. Mm. Oh my goodness. Because you got real proud and Oh yeah, yeah, you got full of yourself. Yeah. You know, you thought you had something to say. No. 
<laughs> I don't want to say what I want to say. I want to know that I'm saying what God said mm-hmm. is what God said coming out of my mouth. Right. Is that how I'm leading God's people? So that'd be the first thing. And then the second thing is you may have the burden, but you better know that you know that it's not your burden. It's the Lord's call mm-hmm. in your life. Um, you'll hear guys say, man, if you can be anything else, be that versus being a pastor or a missionary. And I don't know 100% if that's true. You want If God's called you to the pastorate, well, he's a hard man to ignore. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonah tried to ignore and he ended up being fish vomit. That's not cool. You, no. you don't want to end up there. You know? No. So if you know that the, that God is calling you, well, then that ought to make you tremble to learn the book and to learn how to use it in the yeah. lives of people. But if he is calling you, you're not the only one that's going to see it. And that'd be the other thing. Yeah. You know, Alan saw it in me. So it wasn't me saying this is something I have to do. Uh, at the same time, it was something that Alan was saying, this is something you need to do. Yeah, the conviction was shared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was there was an acknowledgement of that in the priesthood of believers. You know, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, separate miles out for this work. And the pastor saw that and agreed. And that's how they ended up laying hands on me. Yeah. You know? So I think those are the... Those are the big ones. And then if you're going to do it, you want to do it knowing you can be all in and that you're going to be able to lead your family to be all in. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got all these guys that end up in the pastorate and their marriages fall apart and their kids grow up and basically tell them to go to hell and fail. Yeah, you don't want that either. So no. the, the family yeah. has to see yeah. it as well. Your wife yeah. has to be on board. So to your point, yeah. there's got to be a lot of counting the cost. Yeah. And you can say, I've counted the cost, I'm all in. Well, no, did you really count the cost? In other words, can you lead your family? Are your finances in order? Can you live on a pastor's salary? You know, ha- do you have a mountain of debt? You know, I mean, there's things that you need to think through. Do mm-hmm. I know the word of God? Do I know how to, well, we're all learning, we're all growing. Am I willing to make sure that everything comes out of my mouth, right? It's theologically sound, right. it fits. Uh, in terms of the, the the training, the mission, the vision that God has for his people, what I'm saying fits within that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, I think there's too many pastors that just had a good idea what the, with what they wanted to do with their life. Sure. You know, right. it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that is sobering. And, um, but it, you know, at the same time, pastoring is a lot of fun. As hard as it is, it's also oh, a lot of fun. Very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but uh, man, I really appreciate you sharing what it looks like for us to have a, a, a vision as pastors to share that vision to encourage the people. Pastor Sam, thank you so much for joining us this week and uh, sharing that charge, um, providing a warning, which is not always easy to do. Uh, but uh, next week we're going to come back together. And we're going to talk about the practical responsibilities of being a pastor. We'll address the ordinances. We'll address some of the ins and outs, things that people don't think about in terms of the pastorate. And we want to invite you to join us next week for that episode. Now, after listening to this and maybe the coming episodes as well, uh, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I really would like to learn how to better support my pastor. Well, we want to invite you to take pastoral procedures next semester. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, man, God might be calling me to leadership. God might be calling me to the pastorate. I can feel that burden. 
Uh, we want to invite you to take pastoral procedures next semester at Living Faith Bible Institute. You can visit lfbi.org and learn more about that class. Uh, those classes are going to be available for enrollment even right now, and so check that out. Uh, we also want to invite you to listen to our new show, PS Plus, where Van Sneed week after week is talking about different doctrinal and theological subjects. He's breaking down content from these episodes and to 10-minute bite-sized pieces uh, for you to listen to for your enjoyment. And they're really easy to share and, and, uh, and for people to, to check out what you believe. So we want to thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next week for another episode of The Postscript. Postscript.